market will provide for you, but money earned from your own business set you free. Like when I moved to Canada, I'd be in boarding school and the kids, you know, once it's 10, everyone's hungry, but the cafeteria is closed. So I went, I bought a box of noodles and I would sell them out of my room for a dollar each. I would sell out, I would make like 50, 100 bucks a week. Like there's so many times I remember I lost $16,000 trying to build a clothing line. I had no idea what I was doing. I haven't like figured it out. But I'm telling you, from flipping iPhones and selling noodles to where I am today, that gap is so massive. We need to celebrate this moment right now. One of my greatest hacks for building great relationships is generosity. If you live like that, I mean, when do you run out of harvest? You just planted unlimited seed. When you have momentum, everything you do looks better than it is. And welcome to Everyday Leadership, a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. Have you ever seen any of those commercials where someone's trying to sell you something and they're sitting relaxed on the beach talking about they've retired? Well, my guest today has actually done that. He's IRC, retired from corporate. A term brand new to myself as well. And he did this before he turned 28. This is someone who, in 2017, he wrote down, by 30, I want to retire. When he wrote that down, he had had multiple failures in different side hustles and businesses he tried to create over the years. The organization he ended up working for, Shopify, he had been rejected from seven times, he still applied again. And he wrote down that statement. I want to find out what drives a person to keep on going, to have the audacious belief that they make something happen despite their circumstances. Because this was before the 162,000 plus LinkedIn followers he now has, before the brand deals, before everything else that seemed or gave him an indication that this was possible, yet he kept on pushing through. This is what I explore in today's episode of The Leadership. Myself, your host, Shopper Belusi, and my guest, who's going to introduce himself. Working into today's episode. Yeah, so uh, my name is Toby uh, Oluwa, Toby Loba uh, Oluwale, and uh, originally from Nigeria, moved to Canada at 15, uh, studied international business, um, got into tech sales, then transitioned into uh, merchant success at Shopify, and then essentially um, became Canadian in 2022, and now living here in Canada, married, no kids yet, uh, big, big Arsenal supporter, big, big football fan. I'm going to say football because, you know, I don't know who, who would like football, the original football. Um, but yeah, so uh, love my family, love my wife so much. And um, yeah, not just excited to kind of get the most out of life. Keep work. Try for us to start there, getting the most out of life. So that's we get back to a younger you growing up in Nigeria, 10-year-old Toby. What were you like then? I was rocking Terry on Reed jerseys. My first email was on Reed Jr. underscore 75 at com. I was still like a big Arsenal supporter, very, very fun-loving kid easy to talk to according to my mom um you know she said like her friends enjoyed talking to me you know and even from when i was like three or four they used to call me pastor sam because apparently i could uh, i was given the gift of speaking wow so that was you know that was the beginning but part of what i did when i was trying to figure out like okay you know what do i want to do with my life was i went back to my mom and i was like mom tell me all about like what i was like when i was three i don't remember and she took like you know a bunch of time to just walk me through the story right like how I came to be you know what I was born like you know how much fun I have um how good I always was at like communicating how I started walking at like 10 months all this all this stuff you know she just walked me through it and then uh like last year you know my dad was here for Christmas and I asked him like tell me tell me the story all right of, of my life he started way back in like 1962. Like he told me the story of my grandma and then how he came to be. 
and how my grandma used to tell him when he was young, you know, money earned from the market in Yoruba, but money earned from, you know, uh, the market will provide for you, but money earned from your own business will set you free back in like 1960 something, you know, like, so turns out that this thing that I've always wanted was just in my blood somewhere. Um, cause my dad retired from corporate at 44, you know? Um, so when I told him I was retired from corporate, he's like, wow, you actually beat me. <laughs> I think that's, you know, when I think of like where this all started, I, I think it was just there. Both my, both sets of parents, both sets of grandparents, entrepreneurial. I think my granddad used to own like an aluminum factory. No. So I think it was just always there and, and I had to kind of step into it. Before you spoke to your mom or your dad last year, did you know, even as you were growing up, that there was something there around being an entrepreneur as a teenager and then months before you moved to Canada? Was there, were there things that you already doing at that point in time that pointed to like, yeah, this is what it's going to be like, or this is what my future going to look like, or ways of trying to figure things out at that point in time? I grew up with parents that were always solving problems and generating revenue, right? Um, so what what happens now was just my normal. My parents started new businesses every year. So I thought that was normal, right? Whether or not it failed or did well, there was a new business every year. And so when I was in my teenage years, I realized like in school that, okay, you know, these kids need lollipops, but they can't get any, you know, especially because there was a boarding side of the school and they, those kids couldn't get lollipops. So I bought a box of lollipops. I brought it to school, started selling them for like a dollar pop, right? Or the equivalent of and I was like, oh my God, profit. You know, it was the first time I, I, I got it, right? You buy the box for 10 bucks, there's a hundred lollipops in there. You can sell each one for a dollar, 90 bucks in profit, you know? So I learned like three lessons on day one. The first lesson was if you have a good product, it sells itself. Great lesson. Second lesson was if the product is illegal, you'll probably get in trouble. So I got in trouble like two hours into selling lollipops. The only time I really ever got in trouble, got my lollipops confiscated, my own entire inventory. My mom whooped me that day because she was like, why are you selling illegal stuff at school? I was like, mom, but the lollipops, bro, look at the profit margins, you know, um, but she was not having it. Um, so I learned that lesson. I think that my third lesson was, you know, have a backup plan because as soon as my lollipops were gone, that was the end of the business, day one. Didn't, I didn't even make all my money back, you know? So, um, I think it was in my blood to like find gaps, try to close them with, with the business. Um, and then in, in high school, I, like when I moved to Canada, I did the same thing. We were living, living in boarding school and the kids, you know, once it's 10, everyone's hungry, but the cafeteria is closed. So I went, I bought a box of noodles, Indomie noodles, and I, and I would sell them out of my room for a dollar each. And, you know, like I would sell out, I would make like 50, hundred bucks a week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing. Like I was like, think about it. Everyone's hungry. They know Toby's got noodles, right? Like until they come over with their little dollar and I sell them a noodle. So that was, you know, in grade 12, I mean, grade 13, I, not grade 13, first year of university. I got onto the varsity soccer team and I was the only international student that year to got, get onto the varsity soccer team, only Nigerian. So everyone starts asking me like, oh my God, how did you do it? Like, it's so hard. 175 people tried out. They only took 22 people and all this stuff. So I built a boot camp. It was like 200 bucks. I took all the exercises we were doing in varsity, started training people. Yeah, I made like a thousand bucks. Like five people showed I was like, nice. And then next year I flipped iPhones. I figured like when families upgrade, you know, they have these iPhones that they need to sell. They, if it's a family, they sell it for cheap just to pay off the contract. They buy it, negotiate it down 50, 100 bucks, sell it for 50, 100 bucks more, make 100 to 200 bucks a phone, flip the easies, flip couches at the end of the month. If you haven't sold your couch, you have to leave it on the curves. I come in last day of the month, pick up some couches, sell them first day of the month. Like you just find gaps and, you know, find ways to close them and make a hundred to hundred bucks, you know? So that was kind of where it started. It was just really a, a gap seller. <laughs> I guess it's also the, having the, the foresight to be able to see and identify those gaps because a lot of people don't see them. And I actually think it's a, 
it's a superpower because there's so many things that we see day in day out where people are like oh i feel like that or i wish i could have done that or but well, a lot of times it's one you need to have the eyesight for the foresight for it should i even say but so you also need to be the very intentional about executing that stuff we have so many ideas but you don't ever execute on them and you're someone who's like oh i've got this idea there's a market there let me go and execute done you move, you seem to move very, very quickly rather than just the typical, oh, I wish I could kind of mentality, which a lot of, a lot of people generally have about stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I think we reach for the highest branch we can see, you know, so seeing my parents fail, succeed, start over, over and over again, just set me up to, I mean, I was so confident. Didn't matter if it worked or didn't work, you know, I was going to try again, you know? So I think that, that became a superpower to be like, first of all, if three people asked for anything, there's a gap there, right? So wherever there's a problem to be solved, there's a business to be built. That's, that was like the philosophy, right? And so it became, okay, is this something that I can fill? You know, is this a problem that I can't solve, right? Oh, I need to fly private. Okay, I don't have a plane, so I can't solve that, right? I, oh, I'm hungry and it's 10 p.m. I can probably solve that, you know? So I think it was a lot of trial and error. A lot of my businesses failed. Like, that's why when I coach today and I go like, oh, we've done this much and, you know, we scale the company and all this stuff, I always r- remind people that, yo, I, like, I've been trying for like 10 years. Like, like after 10 years you should be good. You know, like if you shoot three throws for 10 years and you still suck, I mean, you know, that's on you, you know? And, and I think that's the philosophy now is like, yes, of course I can find a business, find a gap, build it out, take it to hundred thousand dollars in a couple of weeks. Like, but there are people that can do that and take it to a million dollars in a couple of weeks. There are people that can do that and go raise, hundred million dollars in a couple of weeks, right? Like these are all just like levels of very similar skills, right? So I think most people aren't willing to try is one, but the biggest one is that most people are willing to try again. Failure sucks. Yeah, of course. So I think most people are just not willing to try again. And you just have to try one more time. I had a mentor that used to say like, how many times should you knock on the door to get in? Like how many times? My, you're like hundred. No, the answer is until, until the door opens. You just keep knocking, right? Because his his whole philosophy was, you know, if your you know baby's trying to walk, how many times do you give the average baby before you say, okay, you should stop? No, it's like you tell the baby just keep trying until you walk, right? And so. I think as humans, we forget the, the tenacity that we were born with to take our first steps. You didn't just try once, try twice. Oh my God, I give up. No, you just keep trying. All right. I think trying again is, is the real secret is like, I should have quit after I got in trouble selling iPhones and someone came to my office and my boss was like, who's this? I should have, you know, like there's so many times I remember that I should have quit. I lost $16,000 trying to build a clothing line. I had no idea what I was doing. Some of it was my friend's money. Like I should have quit every time, you know, but you know, when you're going somewhere, you have to have something pulling you into the future. I knew who I wanted to be. I think that's like, every time someone takes one of my programs, one of the first things they need to do is they need to write their own eulogy. People go like, what's the point of this? I'm trying to learn LinkedIn. I'm trying to learn. Okay. But what's pulling you into your future? When you get the rejection, what happens? If you don't have something pulling you into your future, that's the end of the journey, right? I have something pulling me into when I turn 80. How many times am I going to try? As many as it takes. You know? So I think that's something that's missing. I think I learned that from like the seven habits of highly effective people. It was one of the exercises. I was reading the book. I was, you know, back when I was ineffective, I was trying to, you know, upskill. And one of the exercises was write your own eulogy to know what you want at the end of your life. And I wrote it and I read it every year on my birthday. It's been like probably six years. 
so much clarity. That's how I knew I was going to quit, quit corporate because in my eulogy, it said, Toby never missed a birthday. He never missed an important moment. So I knew I needed time. It also said Toby was so generous that he would give away like cars and houses and like he would just like pay people's tuition. So I knew I needed money, you know, so I had the clarity of like, okay, this is where I'm trying to go. I need time and money. So these are the kinds of businesses and ideas that can get me there, which is why I don't do clothing lines anymore. <laughs> right. Like I, I do businesses that allow me to have both. I can take my laptop, go somewhere, generate a hundred, 200, $300,000, go somewhere else, do the same thing so that I can buy my mom a car, which we did last year, which was like one of the top moments of my entire life. Right. And just being able to know, okay, this is where we want to go. It's taken 10 years. I'm not even where I want to be in terms of like, you know, where, you know, if you do the, the comparison game, I'm not really where I want to be, but I'm so far from where I started that this is a massive, massive milestone. Like I'm going to, I'm going to party this. I, I turned 29 in a couple of weeks. I'm partying so hard. I, I like, we're doing a whole thing in, in Toronto. I, I don't even party. But we're doing a whole thing to party. Like I make a guest list of all the people I want there and we're going to make it a big deal. Cause I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, a millionaire. I haven't like figured it out, but I'm telling you from flipping iPhones and selling noodles to where I am today, that gap is so massive that like, we need to celebrate this moment right now. Right. Um, and I think that's the other thing is like celebrate the journey, the progress, right? Like there's still so long to go. I know I have a whole bunch of skills I need to learn, but this, if you told me that I could have done this before 30, a year and two months earlier, no way, no chance. You know, you say, if he told you, you could have done this, no way, no chance, but then you also have something that was pulling you, which is you wrote this and if I was to peel it, peel it back, I think part of when you wrote this was you were, this is before you even applied for Shopify or, or you got into Shopify. So let's say you'd applied for Shopify, what, seven times? Yeah. And hadn't been successful. You had a string of things behind your business behind you, which hadn't been successful. And when I listen to you like talk about the, the way a relationship with failure, it's very much like, oh, it's just, it's like another day. I just keep on going. I keep on going. But then you look at the majority of people who fall into the average bracket when they deal with failure, it knocks them back. So do you think it's it's down to the the whole nurture nature argument where because you grew up in that environment with your parents and seen that, it just became standard and normal to you. And therefore that also allows you to just be able to just push through failure and be like, I keep on knocking in that door, I keep on going. Or is it something else that helps you be able to view things that way? I think it was a... Uh... A combination of things, right? Like, you know, the first is, yes, if I've read the end of the book, I can make it through the tough parts of the story, right? So by writing and knowing like, hey, this is where I'm, by the way, I'm like right on track, you know? So I know that like, yeah, there's tough times and there were tough times, but it's okay. It's part of the journey. But I have three massive cheat codes that I think if people can get, they become unstoppable, right? So the first cheat code that I have is I have two very loving parents that have always encouraged me that I want to start selling couches. I need 200 bucks. You'll send it. Dad, I found hoverboards. What are those? I need money. I need money to, I need to, you know, seed investment to get the hoverboards, start selling the hoverboards. Okay, fine. Yeah. My parents are one of the biggest cheat codes that I have to have those two people go, we believe in you no matter what you do. My, my parents, flew, I was like, dad, I want to play professional soccer at Arsenal. He took me to England. I played at Stanford Bridge, did a trial. We tried to get into an academy. It didn't work out because I didn't realize we needed a work permit to be a soccer player. I thought they'd just PayPal you or something. You know, but like my parents backed me 100%, you know? That is a massive cheat code. How many people's parents kill their dreams before they become adults? Right. So that's already a one massive cheat code. The second massive cheat code is I was then gifted to meet my incredible wife who was born on the same day as my mother when I was like 20 years old. And we started from nothing together. 
nothing. You know, like I'd signed a job offer at 40K when we started dating. She was making 20K, I was making 40K. And that was when we started dating that early, you know, like 20, 21, super young, right? And my wife holds me to the highest standards in every part of my life. My health, my eating, my relationships, my responsibility, right? Like, so I have this person who it's like, hey, that isn't good enough. It was the best I could do. No, you can do better. I love you, but you can do better. And that is another massive cheat code. How many people's partners allow them to settle? I mean, I, I should have quit. You know, so that's the second massive cheat code. The third massive cheat code that I have is I have at least four friends in this world that will never allow me to drop. Ne- never. Like, I got in the craziest financial situation recently with the house we bought and the interest rates we bought. One of my friends put me up, took care of me, made sure we closed on the house. He was like, don't worry about it. Set up a room for us. Made food for us. Like, in the lo- lowest, toughest. I mean, we were crying, like, you know, it's a story that I'll tell one day. Like, it was a bad time. Like, and at the height of what I thought was about to be the height, you know. And I had people there that went, we're not going to let you fall. How many people fall because the one thing took them out? This was the thing that was supposed to take me out. And someone called me. Someone called me. So I am parents that always believe in me. A wife that doesn't let me settle. And friends that never let me fall. Like, you can't lose. It might take long, but you can't lose. I don't think I can lose. So how do you build? Because that key running theme between those three is relationships. People who believe in you and relationships. Uh, how do you build relationships with your friends, with your wife, where they can call you out, where it's based, it's based on that? love, trust, respect, where they see stuff in you and they call that repeatedly, I'm not letting you fall, I'm not letting you fall back and deal with those failures. How do you develop that, nurture that? Because again, that's not very easy to do either. 100%. That's why a lot of times people have a lot of surface relationships rather than deep relationships, even marriages. People have surface marriages rather than deep ones where you have a partner who can be like, nah, that ain't it. I know, I know, I know there's more to you than that. That's not it, like... Water for a minute, but get back up and go again. I've been offended by that and your ego bruised, but be like, no, this is someone that believes in me and I'm listening to her. So how do you develop that? Time and consistency and frequent deposits. Uh, like one of my greatest hacks for building great relationships is generosity. Living out of generosity. So, you know, how do you actually just continually invest in people, invest in relationships so that when you need to make a withdrawal, similar to a bank account, which, you know, you probably will because life happens. There's so much deposited that it's a drop in the ocean. I mean, I made heavy investments the first, I mean, I, I think of my, the friends that I have and like my, my wife, I made the very heavy investments. You know, like even with my siblings, my sister had to bail us out. I made heavy investments. Like we used to do, you know, my sister hated me when I was like 20, 21, because I left home at 15. We didn't have a relationship for like, you know, six six years, something like that. And so by the time I got back, she was like, you know, you never check in. And, you know, she was very, very like, oh, I don't like you. And, you know, I took that as, you know, hey, I have a job to do here as the oldest. And you know what I did? I took my sister out on dates every week for almost a year and I rebuilt the trust heavy like investment paid for dinner every time and it was hard because for the first couple of months you're like you know this is not gonna last you know a year in our relationship is mended we move in together a year later my brother comes over we have family night every month I think at some point it was every week I had family night we just do nothing together. Play games, turn my phone off, watch TV, get some Korean food, a heavy investment there. Right? Like my wife, date night, heavy investment. 
you know, it's like friends, same thing, right? I remember when my friend, this one, uh, that came and helped me out when he bought his first house. First of all, I helped him buy his first house. I told him like, Hey, we can get pre-construction houses. And I walked him through the whole thing. Like I bought a house and we had like 200 K on the house. So, all right, that's already a very heavy investment there. But then when he bought the house, I bought him, he, he sent us a picture of the group chat of a painting. I, I bought the painting for him and put it in the house. Yeah. After I bought that painting, someone was like, Hey, Toby, you know, how's your basement coming out? Like, oh, we're about to buy a TV. They bought my TV. For me. And someone else was like, Hey, you know, we're doing a trip and we bought their trip for them. Like it just became, you know, a thing at some point. <laughs> like, and, and it's heavy heavy deposits, frequent deposits over time. Right. And it wasn't like, oh, like this is a system or no. How do you win people over? How do you actually build a relationship? It takes time. You know, like you can't just like, oh, we met, we clicked and foundations take time. And that was it with my wife. It was the same thing. Like, what do you want to do? I'll back you. I'll back you. And I think now, you know, that's, and then on the other side, if people see a glimpse of where you're going or a glimpse of your potential, they'll stay. All right. And, and I think like throughout the years, like people saw glimpses, right? Like my friends, they call me my CEO or, you know, they call me varsity, which is like, you know, from when I used to play soccer, but people have seen glimpses and, and we've seen, I've seen glimpses in them of like you know, what they can become and, and what I can become. And so that also allows us to keep building those relationships to hold each other to those standards right um like they have a running joke that like you're going to retire us that's what they tell me you know and so but we all say it to each other because you know they're I, my my closest friends are software engineers i'm like you guys just need to get into a company early enough and build the thing so that we can retire you know so i think everyone's just like we've seen glimpses of each other we've made heavy deposits over years i've known my best friends for like 10 years plus Right, been my wife for seven years. Obviously, with my sibling, but it's always the same thing. If you want something to yield fruit, you must sow the seed. You have to sow the seed, but you can't. That's what most people do. They sow the seed, but then you got to water it. Got to keep watering it. It's growing. You got to keep watering it. Right, like you just have to keep watering it. How how long do you water it for? Until it's except in relationships, it's forever. Right. So till today, like I still make super heavy investments in every relationship that I have that, that matters. Like I'll show up to my friends' houses and I'll just knock, you know, like in the good old days. No text, just hey, you home? Yeah, okay, I'm outside. Let's have dinner. I did that to my old boss, showed up to his house. Brought some donuts. Like, bro, nobody does this anymore. Like, I know. Yeah. So I think that's, that's what, like, I, I feel blessed to have what I have, but I remember, like, cost something. And I think the best things in life cost something. If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? It really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's the podcast worth listening to. Which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it. In Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right of your app, look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. They do. And the relationships are the best investment that you can make. But people don't see them as investments like that. People don't spend the necessary time, have the the patience in a sense to cultivate. Or even when things go wrong, it's like, ah, oh, this person's gone wrong, this person has done this, and you turn to something that's a lot bigger than it is, rather than even be like, no, like this someone's done something wrong to me. Let me have a conversation with them. Because again, that's part of the investment. The investments go up, they come down, they go up, they come down. But if you're consistently looking at, I'm just nurturing and sowing because it's someone that I either care about or someone I want to build a life with, I need to, I need to do that. I need to be intentional. I need to be open. And I love those examples you're to give from Richard to your sister, to your wife, to your friends. It just sounds like it's a consistent back and forth of you all just pouring into each other and building and growing together. 
And it's quite interesting because a lot of times when people build businesses or when people build um, a life like you have done uh, and do you need things like you have done, a lot of times they do that in isolation sometimes. And it then becomes, let me let me do this and be the first of, and then I'll build a table and invite other people around. But it sounds very much like your model is very different where yeah, you've done different things. But you've all kind of done done together. You've been together in each other's journey, supporting each other in different ways, whether it's around housing or what you've done, which is quite remarkable because building a business takes time and then investing in people takes time. But you're just like, nope, I'm going to do both. I'm not going to let one or the other one kind of suffer. Yeah. I mean, there's enough time to do the things that matter. You know, I think it becomes a little complicated. There was a point where, like, I had I felt like I had to maintain every relationship I had, everybody I met. I, I had like an Excel sheet going. Everybody that I met, you know, how do I, you know, make sure that I don't forget their birthday and I don't forget to say like, you know, their kid's birthday and I don't forget to like go for coffee at least once a month. That, and I didn't have any like real relationship. Yeah. So the investments that I end up making, to be honest, like I, I can, I can talk about it. Like it's investments. They're not investments. It's just generosity, right? It's, if you go read my eulogy, that's what's in there. Toby was generous with his time, energy, and his mind. It's in there. It's part of the identity that I have and that I want to finish my life with. You know, there's a year in 2021 or something. Every single one of our friends birthdays, I was there physically. I was practicing for like my future. I flew out to Vancouver for my friend's birthday. I was in Toronto. Like we did not miss a single birthday. I was there. Sometimes I was the only person there. Bring a cake. Yeah. You know what happened on my birthday? Everyone flew in. I mean, it, I didn't say like, guys, let's be at everybody's birthday. This It was just my thing, right? I want to be, it was in my eulogy. And I was like, okay, I have the money this year. I'm going to be there physically. And I did it. And guess what? People came for my birthday. Right? It's just principle. Like your your own personal philosophy is what determines how you look at life and how you enjoy life. Right? So anytime that I know like, hey, I if I if I meet someone, for example, I think they're awesome. Which by the way is a non logical explanation for liking people because we're emotional beings. Like, oh, I think they can provide value for me. No, I just like, yo, you're great. You know, we, we get along or you have some sort of amazing potential. I just make an investment. Even if it's the only investment I get to make, 30 minutes. People will call me like, Toby, I, you know, I can't pay for any of your services. What do you need? I give them 15 minutes. Hey, Toby, I, I'm trying to get into this company. I go on my LinkedIn. I got 160,000 people. I message a stranger. Hey, listen, I know we haven't met, but I know someone that is exploring roles at your company. Do you mind if I connect you to? And I leverage everything that I have for a stranger. A guy called me from Austria, Toby. I'm gonna I'm gonna negotiate my salary tomorrow, and you're the only person I know that I can call. I send him my number. He gets on the call with me. Toby, how do I do this? Listen, I don't know what it's like in Austria, but you got to go in there confident. Have you done the research? Okay. Have you done this? Okay. Do you know what the number is? Okay. What do you want to make? Okay. Ask for five k more. And I gave him what I had in ten minutes. I don't even remember his name or like, you know. I, I couldn't even point him out to you, but you make, you live like that. If you live like that, I mean, when do you run out of harvest? If you just planted unlimited seed, yeah. it's impossible. I was, I took a day. I was at the spa. I took a day. I'm writing in my notebook. This guy walks his, his fiance, his wife, and he, he, I see him look back at me and, and he like walks back and he goes, hi, are you Toby? Yes. Like, what's your name? He's like, Olumide. He's like, I follow you on LinkedIn. Like, I, I've been following you since I was in university. And now I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing at Shopify for a role on Monday. And it's just so incredible to see you here. This is my wife. She's a content creator too on YouTube. And we start talking. And I'm like, listen, I used to, I have like 10 people get that job. So I'm going to connect you with one of the people I helped get the job. And they'll help you prep for the interview. He's like, really? Like, we just met. I'm like, 
I mean, it's not not a problem. Like, what does it cost me to send a text to someone I have this massive investment in to ask for four bucks? You know, like that's how I think about it. So I sent the text, connected them, and you know, he had the interview, and I texted him, "Hey, good luck today." And I texted him after, "How'd it go?" And I texted him, "Don't forget to send a, a follow up." Right? Literally forty minutes after I see this guy, another guy with his fiance comes right up to me. He's like, Toby, <laughs> you you helped me get my job at Slack. He's like, this is my fiance. We're getting married soon. It's like, dude, you changed my life. I mean, I went from working at Joey's to being a top account executive at Salesforce. Slack. I mean, it's amazing. Just making this massive, tiny, big, but whatever, sowing seats. Like, I actually had it as part of my identity once. I am a seed sower. And everywhere is soil. Like if I can, if I can go into a, I, I go into a restaurant, someone has nice hair, I love your hair. And we just keep going. Tiny seed. I mean, maybe I come back three years later. Oh, do you remember me? So you love my hair. That's happened so many times. Tiny seed that, that was the only piece of confidence someone needed that day keep going you know like it's just like it's it's an incredible way to live you know so i i feel fortunate to now be like reaping the rewards of it one of the things that's i guess helped you to keep on planting those seeds was the fact that you just mentioned they had like over 162k linkedin followers but this only came about for the last three years this came about when you wrote that plan that by 30 I want to retire from corporate and between then to now obviously you, you've done that you retired now um but you've gone on this incredible journey what was it like writing down that plan and thinking okay how am I gonna how am I gonna do this I will do this and when I do this this is what it's gonna look like I feel like I'm not that smart, you know, like that's something that I, I, I teach in my class. Like when you have momentum, everything you look or everything you do looks better than it is. When you have momentum, everything you do, people go is genius, you know, but it's just momentum. So now when I wrote it down, there's an, there's an element of faith. Okay, like this is something, you know, Faith is evidence, right? That's the Bible. Faith is evidence of things unseen, right? Substance. So it's something. It's not everything, but it's something, right? And so I write these things down. I'm going, man, if I can just, if I can just figure this out, I know that it would change not just my life, but life of people around me. The second thing is, I have enough reasons. I have enough reasons to do well. I want to retire my parents. I want to watch Arsenal with my dad. I want my mom to become everything she wants to be. I want my wife to be the healthiest that she can be, right? I want my kids to feel always supported. I want my friends to, you know, like I have all, I, it's on my phone. I have a list of reasons, little checkpoints, right? Probably like 40, 50 reasons to do well. And so I have these things that power me as well to, Go for it, right? But then once you're going for it, like once you are moving, right? Faith without works. You know, now I'm, I get to work, right? And I'm, I'm trying a bunch of different things. You know, most people go like, man, I wish I could just build a six-figure business. I'm like, but did you sell lollipops? Like, did you even try like the tiny things to get to the big things, right? Faithful with the little, faithful with much. But it's like most people want to skip the little and then, like, be faithful with much. I'm like, it just doesn't happen. It does not happen. I'm so sorry, right? So I think that also played a massive role. Is like, I just kept being faithful with little. It was just a lollipop, and then a noodle, and then a Yeezy, and an iPhone, and a couch, and a hoverboard. And I just kept, like, doing my best with the tiny that I had. And eventually, it became much. It's like the principle, right? And so I, I don't know that. I figured it out 
Like I don't have a business plan, but I tried long enough that then I hit LinkedIn. You know, I was on a podcast earlier this week with, I, I use something called free to experiment to tell all my stories, right? I, that's what got me started on LinkedIn, right? First post I ever did that went viral, story about my sister using free to experiment. I learned it in the onboarding at Shopify. So I'm on a podcast this week and I'm talking about how like this framework is actually like core to my retirement, my brand deals, all this stuff comes from this framework that I learned. The guy that was interviewing me was the trainer who had taught me the framework. What? <laughs> Yo, I'm telling you, cause I didn't know who had taught it to me that week. I just know that I learned it and I started flying it right away. And he was like, I, that was my session. Like, bro, you literally retired me, you know? And he was like, whoa, like, this is trippy. I was like, it really is trippy because 162,000 followers began with that ability to tell stories in a way that's really easy to digest. And it changed my life, right? So think about that, right? Like I got lucky. People go like, oh, it's not luck. You know, you were blessed. Yeah. You know, like I, I believe in God and I believe in favor and I believe that I was blessed, but I worked my butt off. And if you work your butt off, you get lucky, right? Like you see the, the strikers that chase down the keeper every time, hundred times he's chasing down the keeper, two goals from it. But the other guy never got the two goals. He didn't chase down the keeper, right? So I believe that there was an element of excellence and faithfulness with the tiny things. Right. But then I came across a guy that taught a framework that I'd never heard of that happened to work really well on LinkedIn. And then I did the hard work of showing up on LinkedIn every day at 10 a.m. for 830 days. You know, like, so yes, you know, but what I think is most people are one piece of information away from the rest of their lives. One piece of information. That was it. That was the, the game changer. You know, so I think there's an element of excellence, an element of faithfulness, and an element of luck. Faithfulness, luck, consistency. Consistency, 100%, like three years nonstop. Because you then built out, it wasn't just even, if I, if I didn't ask you that, how do you, how do you keep your ego in check? Because like, you know, to the point where you're walking on a road and people can recognize you easily because of the pre online presence that you have. And it's very easy to, to start thinking yourself in a very particular limelight. But you've actually doubled down on generosity and helping other people, that kind of stuff, rather than leaning into ego and pride. And you have to spend time with people like you're explaining that. And I definitely can attest to that as well. So how have you managed to keep the ego, the pride, all that kind of stuff in check as you've kind of built all this stuff out and, and hit your goal? I think the first is... And, and this is something I feel like I learned from, you know, some previous mentors, you got to stay close to the floor, you know, you got to stay close to the ground. And what that means is the bigger I got, the more I help people for free. The bigger I got, the more accessible I intentionally was. Because when you start to believe that you're bigger than the normal person, that's when you, that ego really kicks in, right? So people would stop me at a restaurant hundred percent. You know what I do? Like I have dinner with them. I stop you know, my day and we'll have dinner together. And and I intentionally stayed close. That guy, I ended up referring him to a job at Shopify. The guy, this exact situation. And I had dinner with him and his wife and we just like hung out for two hours. I just stopped my whole calendar and you got to stay close to the floor. You're not that big. And, you know, I'm just a human being, but you, you forget that, you know, when, when things like that happen. So you got to, intentionally try to remind yourself. That's why people message me cold. Told me, can you help me with this? And I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Well, how much do I have to pay you? No, no. And it, it just reminds me of like where I started. Right. The second one, sometimes I, my ego does get there. Right. And that's where I have my wife. Told me, you're not that special. <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh, I love a good woman. So she's like, <laughs> I'm with you real quick. Whenever I'm on the train up, she's just there. She's like, hey, hey, let's, yeah. And she's she's the first one to bring me up 
you know. But when she sees like I'm like my head's getting big, right? She just counts a little pin. Hey, you know, it's okay. Uh, so she'll allow me to tell the stories of like, babe, I was playing soccer in Toronto randomly. This guy starts marking me. He's like, I've seen you before. I'm like, where? He's like, on LinkedIn. I'm like, bro, this is insane. So I go tell my wife. She's like, okay, you can have that one, you know. And so I have, like I said, someone that holds me very accountable, right? Um, so I think those two things help me stay like pretty close to the floor, right? Like I, I don't believe that I'm special. I think I was very consistent. I was very faithful. I got a little bit lucky and then I just like kept going. Right. And so when people look up to me, I'm, I'm humbled that they look up to me, right? but I just, like, I've tried to show them like, Hey, just the guy with the plan found a way you know and every time I go for talks like this is the, the thing that I hear the most in feedback because you made us think we could do it I'm like you can you know like I didn't make a million bucks in a year I didn't go viral on my first post you know like I didn't get it shot on the first try I didn't ace the first business you know like come on if you start you keep going and you don't stop you can. And I, I want people to know that. That's why I intentionally don't make it seem like this thing is special. It's not. It's like three years in, nonstop, every day, you, you should be good after that long, you know? And so I own it. Like when people are like, oh my God, you're good. I am. Because I was here the whole time. It's hard at. 28, a year and a half before your goal, about to just travel the world with your wife, paid off your wife's student loans and yours, but your mom a car, like you said, and spending different things that you gave it to do. What are you most proud of? Now, <laughs> what am I most proud of? Honestly, I think I'm like most proud of myself for overcoming all of the doubt and the demons and the embarrassment of losing money and the shame and the guilt and the lack of skill and the failure like all of those things are amazing like I can't pick one to be proud of because none of them would have been possible if I didn't overcome myself you know like I'm so proud of every one of those things because they are a testament of me trying again and like going again and like learning the skill again, applying again and like really, really overcoming like my own flaws. Like I'm, so I'm very disorganized. I forget tidy details. I'm a terrible manager, a terrible project manager, like all of these different things, right? but I'm an incredible coach. I'm an incredible communicator. So I had to like, like think about this. I had to learn how to take those two things, master them, and then get them to overcome all of the things that I don't have in order to become who I needed to be to do those things. That was hard. You know, like that was, I, I still like feel very humbled by the fact that I was able to get here because it was so hard. Like imagine you're seeing people that they, they yeah I built my hoverboards I think I did thirty thousand dollars there was a guy on Shopify that did six million dollars with the same product on the same platform I mean those are like high lows <laughs> you know like I didn't have the skill the organization the marketing expertise the project experience like that gap was so massive that I almost quit on the fact that. In the same amount of time, someone made 40 times more than I made. Like these were massive gaps. So now, okay, my gift of communication, my ability, my superpower is my ability to incite action through my words. It's, a, it's the one thing that I'm a one of one in. If I need to get something done, I can get it done through people by inciting action. When people are done speaking with me, they want to do something. Right. And that's what I had to use to build a team. 
That's what I had to use to coach. That's what I had to use to, I mean, that was hard. I couldn't even do it myself. You know, a lot of things I can't even do myself. That's actually very frustrating. So what some people can like, well, I have a laptop, I'm moving. Boom, 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 boom. I have to most times go build a team or find someone and get my heart and my energy and passion into them and they go build it. That is an extra layer. You know, so I'm, I'm so proud of myself, like in the most humble ways, just like none of this would be possible if every day I wasn't able to overcome what looked like the biggest hurdles in the world. You know, like I'm pretty sure someone, I'm pretty sure I have some sort of ADD or ADHD that I just haven't gone to check, but I'm just like, I get distracted, all these different things, right? And to still have been able to pull it off this early, I mean, it's a miracle in a lot of senses. It is. It is. And um, when I think about the team that you've mentioned, obviously building teams around you to help you to execute and things that you've done. What's been challenging for you around uh, building teams, finding the right people, putting them together, and then trying to pull them forward in that vision that you had in your head? Hardest part of building teams. Yeah, I think the hardest part is giving up on people. And not like, you're not on the right team. <laughs> like, the hardest part is like having to let someone go or fire someone or be like, hey, I got it wrong. I took the wrong bet. Because that's that's the stuff like I don't look forward to is going like, hey, I think I think you're on the wrong team. Like, um, the rest of it I find it very easy, like building community, getting people to feel like they're a part of something, getting them to believe that they're working towards something bigger than themselves. Um, making them feel like they're part of a family and the movement at the same time. Those things I find easy to do through my words, through my actions, through loving people. It's when like, hey, like this isn't gonna work. You know, those ones are I think the hardest parts of building teams, the having to walk away from someone. And like, you know, we had to buy out one of our co founders. I've had to fire people. I've had to fire a friend, you know, and be like, yo, this is not going to work. But always do it with it. You know, I, I had a coach that used to say, like, always let people leave with their integrity. Always. And and I think that's the best that I could do. But that was always the hardest part of building teams. Integrity is always on point. Yeah. How do you um, define leadership? Love. I think leadership at its core is love. It's being able to look at someone and be like, I see you for who you are. I appreciate you with or without the value you bring. And then making heavy investments in them. And I think when people get that sense of like, I used to tell my team all the time, like I remember the first time I said it, they used to get like, whoa, <laughs> it was heavy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, listen, I love you guys. And, and I would, I would go to bat for you any day and love is proven in action, not words, you know? So I went to bat for my team. I always go to bat for my team. I'll go up against Shopify for my team. I got in so much trouble. I used to throw a fit. I'd make sure that they know I went to bat for you. I fought for your salary. I fought to move your impact review up to the next rating so that you still have a job next quarter to prove to everyone that you can do this. You know, like, I think that level of love, people will always follow that. That What was Jesus' leadership principle? You know, like, this guy would just show up and love people and you know, like, oh, I'm, I'm going to follow that guy. You know, because if there's one thing that we, we're starving for as humans is that, you know, and leading with love has always been I mean I can build high functioning teams I kid you not like I beat any good manager on any day 
I love my people so, so intensely. We don't miss birthdays. We don't miss opportunities to show people like, hey, I'll go to bed for you. My team finished, when I was leaving Shopify, okay, I never used to do extracurricular projects because I thought they were useless. But what I used to do is I used to really focus on like my team. When I was leaving Shopify Q1 of 2022, I had the highest performing team, 152% of the quarter, of the, of the quarter after that quarter. What was my strategy? I got a high positive, you know, impact rating. The only time I ever got a high positive impact rating when I was leaving Shopify. It was because I built a team that was pretty much indestructible. We we did well every quarter. And it, you know what? It was like, I would like, you know, when I left, I booked a cottage with my team for like four days, five days. And we just did nothing together. Played basketball, went swimming. By the time I left, I think five of them the seven people that were on my team had either been promoted making more or had left the company making more. Everybody was making at least 20K more than when I found them the year before. Of the of the seven people. Till, even till yesterday, I just did another reference second. Like, I went to bat for my team. I loved my team. And they knew I loved them. And so they gave me more than the other reps would give to their views is probably like my team worked hard for I had a saying on our team which is we're going to exceed expectations without experiencing burnout and that was our mantra if you call any of them right now it will still mantra for this team they will tell you that exact sentence because that was what made it so possible right like they didn't burn out I loved them really well I gave them a day off whenever they needed it every every quarter they had tell me their quarter their goal how they're going to hit their goal and how much vacation they're going to get. Like, have you scheduled your vacation? That was part of the, <laughs> the launch of the quarter. You know what I mean? Like, and, and because of that, like I genuinely believe if you want to lead people, love them, they'll follow you. Right. You can figure out everything else. Management, you can figure it out. There's tools for that. One-on-ones, you can figure it out. There's tools for that. Right. But we're emotional beings. How much can someone give me? How much can I get out of someone? Depends on how much I put it. And love is like the greatest thing you can invest in people. I, I so agree with that. My first leadership position was very much like that where young, a lot of people older than me, and it was around the fact that I just cared about my people and got to know them like personally, professionally, what made them tick, what they're excited about in work, outside of work. And it took, it took time. But then before you knew it, like their way of always pouring back or saying, thank you is pour back into the work and therefore the company wins. And that's how you make a difference. And people are like, oh my gosh, it's radical. I'm like, no, it's not, it's just caring about people. It's not rocket science, but sometimes it can feel that way because if you're using words like you just expressed in that kind of environment, people are like, oh, we don't, we don't do that. We don't, we don't say that about people. Yeah, I know. We've got to get, like, everyone has, like, a corporate side. I'm like, you're still human at the end of the day. Like, you know, caring about people will always work because that's what's going to allow them to go over and above, you know. So, yeah, I'm I'm not surprised it worked for you. It has to work. Have you read um, The Trillion Dollar Coach? I have. My favorite books. Oh, my God. Is it? Bill Campbell is like, the once G. I read Bill Campbell's story, I, it was like, I knew it. I knew it was possible to do it the other way. That's literally like, he's like, he would come in there and he'd hug people. He'd get up and start clapping. He'd pay for everyone to go to Super Bowl. And I was like, I knew it. I knew that I could take this exact same skill set and exact same character and go all the way with it. And I read that book probably four or five times. I was like, Bill did it. You know, it was like life-changing book. It's one of the 10 books I read like every year. I don't even read more than like 10 books a year. That's like, I just keep rereading the same books. You know. But that book, oh my gosh. Mind, I might to go back to that one. It's been a minute, but it's one of my favorite books. And I see good to, re- to refresh, refresh my memory. Oh man, what a book. I guess the last question for you would be, what is pulling you now? 
what's the what's the next thing that, that Toby's doing working on? What does that look like for you? The picture I've been getting is like being in an uncleared forest with a bunch of trees and having a map that only I can read in one hand and then on the other hand like an axe or like a something to cut down the trees and clearing the path and going first so that hundreds of people behind me can find a path to their own lives I've been getting that picture for like a year and a half saying in my head you go first not in like a selfish way but in that you take the risk you you clear the path and that's unnecessary weight to put on my shoulders if I look at it the wrong way but it's really a calling I think there's a lot of people's destinies tied to mine and I don't think it's something that I picked I think it's the fact that I'm so fearless and like I go for it that I can actually create room for people because most people need to have someone go for it first, right? And so that's like this next, that's why I need the year. I really, really, I told my mom this morning, I was like, I need this year. I need everyone to leave me alone for a year. I need to be selfish for a year. I need to invest in my happiness and my mental health and my health, my physical health and my childlike nature for the next year because I was like I have big plans after 30 big big plans I want people's lives to be changed because I'm alive and I want to do it in a way that genuinely genuinely impacts people's families like I see our dude our students are buying cars and buying homes and getting married I had a guy that hired a shop fly he's like dude I just got engaged it wouldn't have been possible if I didn't have this job like this stuff is life changing you know, and this was just a side hustle. So, you know, I'm going like, in the next year, we're going to refresh and redream and restart. Cause all I had was a vision for getting to 30 and a vision from 80. I don't have, I didn't have like a vision from like 30 till then. Wow. That's like a gap. <laughs> That's a serious gap. <laughs> it's a massive gap. Right. So all I had was, okay, I got to escape corporate making more and I and at the end of my life I, it must be said that I was generous with my time energy my resources and my money I if you tell me today draw it out 30 to I can't even I don't even know that's part of the confusion of this current season and my laptop turned off last day of work I just said it what have I done now I played FIFA for like six hours you know but I had no idea. That was it. This was the the last chapter I had made in this book. And I did it. I was like, okay, we got to rewrite a chapter. We got to write a new book even. So I think that's the next season is communities. I want to build communities of people that are working towards the same goal. I want to equip people with information because information was what changed my life one framework one new idea you know so communities and information and then just like I want to take my generosity to the next level I want people to be like I think he's crazy <laughs> you know so I need a year to figure out what that's going to look like it's just a lot of talk until it happens you know but um, I think that's that's next up. Well, if anyone is going to do it, it's going to be you. Because even before stepping into that, you already had impact on, on thousands of lives. Not only those you directly like, touched and impacted to help get jobs, or even what you started with, um, with your business, but indirectly through the content you share. I know so many people have talked about how much the content you share kind of makes a difference to them. So you're already doing that. Yeah. And it's just like, watch the space to see what comes after a year of refresh 
and your brain is just chilled for a minute and you're gonna you're gonna go again it's gonna be absolutely amazing and it's so good to see like so and the generosity is needed um i think it's for me that's like something that stood out to me the most about you the generosity is just there it's so as soon as you meet, you start talking to you, it's just there. You're just dropping, dropping the gems, sharing as much <laughs> as possible, trying to find ways where you can help. It's just natural, come second nature to you. And at a time when people can be so guarded and hold stuff back and want to share stuff, it's just great to see the opposite, but the impact of what the opposite actually has in such a positive way. So you're actually shining that representation, that example in such a brilliant way. Um, so thank you for, thank you for doing that. And enjoy your rest enjoy <laughs> your rest it. my brother it's been it's thank been thank you so been much for having me man it's been so good to to connect with you in my life honestly like and i think you bring such a calming energy to every conversation that we have um so i can see why you're probably an amazing coach i'm probably you are um so thanks for having me i appreciate it it's an absolute pleasure this is every leadership see you next week While you're still recovering from that amazing conversation, let me give you a quick preview of what we got coming up next week. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. I think I was just so clear on what I didn't want. And I knew that the path that I wanted to go down, I'm very clear what my values are. So one of them is freedom. A big one is freedom for me, like the freedom to determine how I spend my time, who I work with, the money I make, all of that is based around freedom, right? Um, so once I was very clear on the path, I didn't really deviate away from that. Sure, my business has evolved, but it's always been on my own terms. I was very clear on the path that I, I well, I at least knew that I didn't want to work in corporate again.